Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mm-hmm. All right, as you can see, off to my left or to my right, depending on which way you're watching this, we've got Fee Waybell. Welcome back to the, uh, to the show, Fee. Well, thank you. Nice, nice to be back. Hey, technology. Okay. Does it just kill us during all this time right now? God, really, man. I just, it drives me crazy. <laughs> you click one I, thing, you, know, you think you got it right. And then, no. We have, a, we have an art room downstairs that, that mm-hmm. Elizabeth, my wife, we made an art room. Our garage turned into an art room. And we have a really beautiful Zoom set up there. The key, she, the only key that works is the key that's on her keychain. And she's playing tennis. And I have a key in the house, and I just stood there for 10 minutes. It'll lock it, but it won't unlock it. And so, you know. And so here, we you here we so are. So now we I'm made it. one of her, her whirlpool uh, paintings behind me. Well, it's gorgeous. That's really nice. Now, yeah. do you have any kind of talent like that at all? Uh, Art-wise? Yes. Uh, no, not really. She's the artist, and she's... She's in now into pottery. We got a pottery wheel. And so she's making bowls and pots and all kinds of stuff. And she's, she's brilliant. Yeah. But no, I, I, I can sing. That's about all I can do is sing. I can ride horses. I have horses. So I, I can play polo and I can sing. Oh my God. Well, I can't do either one of those. So you're way ahead of me. And I, I cannot paint through numbers. I am the worst. All right, so last year, we had you back with the release of uh, Rides Again, your CD, which did fantastic. I think that was a great album. Oh, thank Um, you. I still have a, uh, my listeners around the world continue to ask to hear Faker all of the time. Oh, great. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. I'm, uh, we're actually, uh, I'm trying to put together a solo performance uh, in January and uh, so I've been working on that. And uh, so it's, it looks like it looks like it might happen. It looks like it could actually happen. My I fingers so. are crossed. I want to see yeah. it. And if you do it, let me know. I'm in. I'm completely okay. in. Okay, thank you. That would be so, great. I've never done solo. I've never done a solo show before. Never. Well, I mean, why not? I've done, I, 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 you know, I just, I don't know. I was just so, I don't know, maybe afraid. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I never... You know, I've just been with the tubes my whole life. You know, it's been 45 years and, and, uh, and whenever we're, we're not on the road, you know, we're, we're, uh, doing other stuff and, you know, trying to help my wife and trying to, I don't know, go on vacation. We've been a lot of vacations this year, waiting around for gigs to come back. You know, we did our first gig, uh, August 20th, we played here in, uh, in Orange County in Los Angeles. And, uh, and then we played Scottsdale and we played Sacramento. And that was the first three shows we had done in 19 months. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Man, oh, man. I drove me. I was going crazy. I just was going. And my wife, you know, said, 
boy, I wish the hell you'd get out of the house and go do a gig or something. You're driving me crazy. Well, you've got the band together until the end of October. So I was just yeah. looking at the dates. You've got more California dates. You're going to be Massachusetts, Ohio, Nebraska, Chicago. So I'll see you then. And even Virginia. Oh. So yeah. the response has got to be incredible. It's got to be the energy there. People just seeing you live. Finally, yeah. Live music, so. yeah, everything. I, I hope I hope it goes well. Uh, uh, we haven't played Chicago in a long time. I mm -hmm. think I think the last time we played Chicago was uh, at the city winery or something. Some yes. little place we haven't played Park West in, you know, since the 80s. So, <laughs> I mean, that's good because it's a beautiful venue. I, it I, is. I it's really nice. And uh and, and tickets are going well. I mean, you know, uh, all the shows we've done so far have been sold out. And so, uh, you know, a lot of places are requiring proof of vaccination, yep. which I hope they will do in Chicago. Yep, they and, will. And they I'm will. way down with that, really. Yep. You know, I don't so. think you're asking for too much to have people show proof. I don't think we're asking too much. No, I mean, it's all, it's on your phone. It's simple. Yeah. You know, it's just here it is right here. Okay. Right. Just like your ticket. It's on your phone. So move right. on. We're actually, what we're doing is we're going to do the completion backward principle from top to bottom. And uh, I, I always kind of thought that was our most, that was our greatest album. I, that's my favorite album of, of our, of our, of the tubes, all the tubes releases. And uh, so we're going to play completion backward principle in a, all 10 songs in a row. And then we're going to, well, we're not going to actually take a break. We never take breaks. We're going to have a drum solo, I suppose. Huh? And then we're going to come back and do, you know, bondage and what do you want from life and white punks on dope and beauty and all, you know, a bunch of other songs also. So we were, that's actually what we were doing in 2019 about the second half of the year, we started doing completion backward principle. And then the whole, uh, as you, you know, the whole thing shut down. Sure. And then so we, you know, a lot of these, we, a lot of, in fact, almost all, every gig except one uh, that we've got booked, we, we never did that show. Mm -hmm. So there's only one place where we did it one time la uh, in 2019. So, uh, and it's, it's, it's a really fun show for me. And like I said, it's my favorite album and I, I love all those songs and Amnesia and Mr. Hate and I just have yep. to go crazy. It's great. I love Amnesia, and for the fans, "Talk to You Later" is the first track yeah. on that on that album or CD or whichever way that they're playing that. So I'm excited right. about seeing that. All you had to say was "White Punks on Dope," and that's what I remember. You know, oh, yeah. even when I started my career in the '80s, uh, and then when I heard, you know, your 1983 release, I'm like, "Well, wait, 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 wait! This can't be the guys that I just played the Tubes." And right. now you're playing this? Wait a second. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with this picture? So how did yeah. you make that transfer from, I always saw you as a classic rock band to now an 80s band? Uh-huh. What happened was, I mean, we were always kind of looked on as like, you know, kind of a punk band or something mm -hmm. and very rock. And uh, we did, uh, we were on a and Records. We never really, you know, what happened was the performance art of the tubes was out of balance. So the, the theatrical portion of the performance art was so dominant that the music was 
became, you know, secondary. It was like, oh yeah, the show was unbelievable and the costumes and the dancing and the props and the sets and oh yeah, and they're pretty good too. They can act, they're pretty good. And then, so we did that uh, when we were on AM. We did that for five albums and we never really had a hit. We never had, we had Don't Touch Me There on the second album, made it to top 40. But, and then White Punks was, White Punks on Dope was released a second time. It was on the first album. And then it was released a second time uh, as a live version Mm -hmm. from the live album, What Do You Want From Live, recorded in London. Uh, Actually, well, there was one single that did pretty well outside the USA. Primetime did really well in the UK. The, uh, off of a remote control primetime with the, me and Restyles singing a duet that did really well and so uh, but not not in the states so then after five records at AM, they you know I guess Herb and Jerry decided that their cool kind of punk band was really okay except for they didn't make them any money and uh, so they released us and in 1980 we were we were caught in the in the void there in the vacuum and nobody you know we had no history of of album sales you know a a company would look at the sound scan report and go well these guys never sold any records what are we gonna why why should we sign them so a lot of people passed and then we got to Capitol records there was a guy at Capitol records an A&R guy his name was Bobby Columbia Okay, Bobby Columbia okay. was the drummer for Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Oh, okay. Okay, and he had become a record executive, and he thought Prairie Prince was the greatest thing since sliced wow. cheese. And he he was the one that led the charge and said, "Wait, no, I I I want to sign these guys, and I think I have the guy." that can turn it around, that can get them on the radio, that can get them to sell albums. And uh, he brought David Foster to us. And David Foster had never done a rock and roll album up to uh, to that point. He had just finished Boogie Wonderland with uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, Mm -hmm. and a a number one song with After the Love is Gone. Mm -hmm. And he came up to San Francisco and it's he's kind of like this young Canadian guy, you know. He was not, not you know. And we're like smoking pot like crazy, and he's going, no, 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 okay, okay, I don't, I don't do that. But we had some songs that he really liked. We had Amnesia. We had, uh, we had Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. We had a few songs that he thought were pretty interesting, and uh, the record company was looking for a ballad. It was right around that time that big rock ballads were what was happening. You know, big journey rock ballad, yep. REO Speedwagon, oh, yeah. big rock ballads. And so they were, you know, David was going, well, what about a big rock ballad? That's what they want. That's what they want to release. And uh, we went, well, you know, well, we don't, you know, we're not really much of a ballad band. We had... Uh, uh, Love's a Mystery on the okay. previous album, Remote Control. But then Vince Welnick, who is no longer with, with mm-hmm. us, as you may know, and Vince kind of goes, uh, wait, I've, I've, got a, I've, I've, got a, I've got a chord progression that's kind of a ballad. And, so, and he started playing Don't Want to Wait Anymore with, mm-hmm. for David. And David went, okay, there you go. That's the one. Mm-hmm. 
he said, let's finish it. And I sat down with Vince and I wrote the lyrics and, uh, uh, and David said, man, this is, and he, and David helped, you know, he actually put in the modulation part and he put in the big ending and he, and that song, which is, I have an interesting story with that song. Uh, so he said, that's it. That's what the record company wants. That's the one. Got it. We went into the studio in Los Angeles and we started recording the album. I did, I, you know, I, at that, up to that point, I mostly sang all the songs on the record. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, maybe Roger would sing one or Bill Spooner would sing one here and there. And so I did the vocal on Don't Want to Wait Anymore. And at that point, we, Bill or Roger hadn't sung any songs on the record. <laughs> one night at about David, I wasn't there. David was in the studio with, the engineer, Umberto Gatica, and they were mixing or combining back then. Remember you, you know, you had 24 tracks and that was it. And so you had to like, if you had six tracks or eight tracks of drums, you had to combine them down to two mm -hmm. tracks in order to free up more tracks to do overdubs. I gosh, it had to be midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Bill shows up at the studio. He is just, blitzed completely just <laughs> hammered you know and been drinking all night and god knows doing what else and and he kind of came in and went man you know i'm I, I don't get to sing any songs i want to sing something i want to sing a song on the record and 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 david david and alberto are just going well, okay okay you know they didn't want to fight it they wanted to freak you know you didn't want him freaking and so they said okay well what do you want to sing and he goes, I want to sing, don't want to wait anymore. And, and they kind of went, well, you know, that's kind of Fee and Vince's song. He goes, oh, no, 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 I want to sing it. So Bill, <laughs> the, 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 the version, the vocal on the, on the album is Bill. It's not me. A lot of people think it's me. It's Bill. And Bill went in there and just crucified that song. He sang it like his heart was going to explode and blood was going to come out his neck and he did a version i mean it was it's amazing and it's just raspy and raw and just dirty and and they they just kind of were stunned and david and and then the next day and so then bill slinks off to wherever he was we were i can't remember where we were staying because we were all from san francisco so we're in some hotel somewhere and uh so the next morning we're going to the studio and we're, I don't know what we were planning to do, but David and David kind of takes me aside and goes, Fee, uh, I got some bad news. <laughs> and I went, oh no, what? He goes, well, maybe it's not bad news. Maybe it's good news. Uh, and he tells me what happened. And he tells me Bill came in and wanted to sing the song. And, and I said, well, dude, that's my song. <laughs> you know, he goes, well, just listen to it. Uh, just listen to it and tell me what you think. And so he plays the track and I just kind of went, oh my God. Uh, and he just, I mean, he blew me out of the water completely. And I just kind of went, well, what am I supposed to say? I mean, I, you got to use that track. Yeah. I mean, that was unbelievable. And so that's him on the record. And, uh, and that, and that ends up being, you know, and then, uh, so, uh, you know, Bill's not in the band anymore. Mm -hmm. and when we got back together uh 
in 93, it was, it went from a seven man band to a five man band. Mm -hmm. Bill and Mike Cotton decided they didn't want to go back on the road. Like, and I mean, that's why we broke up. We just, mm -hmm. we were road hogs, you know, for 15 years, we just toured constantly and we all got burned out and, uh, I sing, it's in the show, obviously, we're, it's mm -hmm. on the album, and I sing it, and I try every night, I go, oh my god, I gotta try to do the ad-libs <laughs> that he did, and try to make my voice bleed like he did, you know, and, and, oh, oh my god, and uh, it's a great That's funny, story. that's a good story. Now, I always heard rumors that Foster was kind of a perfectionist in the studio. Oh god, yes, oh yeah. Oh yeah, he was a total. I mean, he had just worked with Maurice White, you know, Earthwind. I yeah. mean, so I I remember the first vocal I did was uh, Amnesia, and I sang for like four or five hours for four days in a row before he was satisfied with the with the lead vocal. And back then, you know, you could you couldn't there's no pro tools so you can't right. you can't fix it you can't adjust pitch you can't fly in the chorus mm. from someone no you got to sing every every note and 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 you know trying to punch in uh on a 24 track is you know obvious it's a punch right. so you know uh so i mean he he made me a better singer and and at really? each, each song that i did took less and less time for me to get it right for but he was he was a total perfectionist and he would he would just go you know if somebody was too hungover if somebody was rushing if somebody's you know couldn't figure out what they wanted to play on the solo you know he'd just go okay okay that's it just go home we'll come back we'll try it again later and 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 that's what we did again and again completely per, total perfectionist every note every note and and we had never really worked with anybody like that before right. i mean you know the the record we did before with todd rundgren was i mean it was more with him it was more a feeling you know it was okay and if it didn't have to be note perfect if it felt good that's that was so what was your what's your preference well i mean i'm sure you saw the value of each one yes but what happened was you know up until david foster I was okay with that kind of, you know, oh, it feels good. Yeah, I like it. It's, you know, but then once, once you, uh, once you worked with David Foster and when you, when you play it back and it's all perfect, you know, it, it ruins you for the feeling kind of, I mean, you, you hope that you got a good feeling, but if I, if I listen back to an old album, I can pick out that one oh. background vocal that's singing a, a little flat or a little sharp or you know so it kind of it kind of changes your whole perception my solo album the record i just did with richard marks mm -hmm. richard marks is a total perfectionist but uh, as opposed to foster he does he has detente okay <laughs> he's, he's friendly and he he lets you know in a friendly way and uh you know that this is it's not perfect and let's let's do it again okay buddy you know let's do it again and uh you know and we've been friends for so long gosh i met him in 1983 when we were mm -hmm. doing uh outside inside we were in this you know doing the 
we were actually recording She's a Beauty when we met him. And so he, he knows me so well. He knows what I can do and what I can't do. And, and he, will, he will push it to just so far. You know, if I'm singing sharp or if I'm singing flat, he'll give me a little trick. So, okay, well, you're singing a little bit sharp. So take, take, the, take the headphone off just halfway on one, on mm. one ear and that'll, that'll bring, so you can hear it a little bit better and that'll bring you more into pitch. So, like I said, he, but, but he's, his records are unbelievable. And I mean, he's, he's, he sings like a bird, you know, my, and, and he gets, he gets vocals out of that record. We just did Fee Waybill Rides Again, by far is the best record I've ever done. And the most in terms of vocally, and it was the easiest because of his demeanor, because of the way we work together and because we're so close and mm -hmm. you know i'm his big brother pretty much mm. he doesn't have any siblings and so i'm i'm fee man and he's Ricky boy. <laughs> that's what we call each other and uh so that's you know so i know when, when i work with him i know it's going to be great and i know that he's going to get me to that perfectionist type point with with a friendly with 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 without you know making me mad or making or pissing me off or frustrating me so, so you've written a lot of songs with him how how does that usually work then you know considering on who he is and the idea of who we all think uh he is and how he's influenced you producing your songs what is your influence on him and his music then I mean, he's got, as he calls it, he's got nothing but pussy-ass love songs. And it's like the right. funniest thing I ever heard in my life when he said right. that. And I love his songs. I, you know, it's funny. The third song on my record, Don't Pull the Trigger. And what he usually does is he'll send me a little text and, and just kind of sing la-la melodies or sometimes just this. Like that song, he sent me this text. And he goes, oh, if he, you know, I, I can't really play this song on, on, I can't really play the, the guitar line on this song because he's playing acoustically with a, mm -hmm. with a chords. And, but it kind of goes like this and, and, and Elizabeth hears that and she goes, oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. Why don't you use that little, that little text as the intro to the actual recording of the song it was her idea. And I went, I don't, I've never done that before. No, you know, it, that's a, that's a tech. She goes, well, kid, can't you figure out how to do that? And I said, well, let me ask Matt. We have a, a, a friend of Richard's, Matt Proc, mm -hmm. mixed the album and mastered the album. He's a young engineer guy in Chicago, actually. He's mm -hmm. from Chicago and lives in Chicago. And, uh, and so I told Richard, I said, well, what about this idea that she had? He goes, I never did that before. He goes, oh, okay, let's try it. And then, so we sent it all off to Matt and he put it together. So the song starts with a text demo for about two bars. And then it goes into the actual studio recording. And, uh, and that's what we usually do. I mean, he'll, he'll go, hey, I got, a, I got an idea and he'll text me or... We used, used to be cassettes, but now, right. now he just me. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes he'll have a title 
it actually on that song, Don't Want to Pull the Trigger, he had a title. And I had written, I had written another song years ago called Don't Pull the Trigger, but it was with this, uh, I produced this Russian band called Gorky Park. Remember Gorky Park? They had one hit uh, on their first album. And then uh, I produced their second album. And one of the songs was called Don't Pull the Trigger that I wrote for them or I wrote the lyrics for them. That's, that was a long time ago. And so I can say that again. You know, I can use that line again. <laughs> Who would have guessed you could just use a, a voice text of some sort in a song, yeah. considering where you started? I know. I mean, I, 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 I didn't think it was going to work. I didn't think that. But Matt is, mm. I mean, Matt is really clever. He's a good, he's a great mixer, a great master. And uh, I think it was even in like slightly a different key or I don't mm. know, but he managed to to pull it off and it's i kind of like you know it's my, that is well actually that's not my favorite song on the record mm. richard wrote a song with chad kroger from nickelback nickelback yep right still you on the inside i think it's mm. number 5 or 6 on the, my and and he always whenever he writes songs with his sons or with somebody else or songs for his new records, he always sends me the track and he sent me this track and I, God, I just thought it was such a great song. And he did the demo with Chad and they wrote it for Daughtry and they submitted it to a Daughtry album. And he said, nah, I don't think so. He didn't want to do it. And, and then Richard actually did a version of it because he loved the song. He did a version of it on a bonus track on one of his. And then and I and then when we were sitting around thinking about what what are we going to put on my record? That was the, that's the only song that I didn't write or that we didn't write on the record. I said, I want to do Still You on the Inside. And he goes, Well, you know, it's pretty high, you know. And I went, Yeah, okay, well, I think I can do it. Let me tr just let me try it, you know. And kind of a country song but i i kind of like it we wrote a we wrote a we wrote a country hit once for a band called emerson drive and it went to like number 15 on the country chart this is years ago uh what gosh what was it called uh uh i'll be the last one standing it was called and it was the first single on an emerson drive album but we've written songs, I mean, for years and years and years. We wrote we wrote the hit by Vixen. Oh, yeah. Edge of a Broken Heart. Yep. I've been yep. living on the edge of a broken heart. And that still gets, I mean, that still streams, I mean, ridiculous. It's streaming, you know, I'll, I'll get my, my, my statement, you know, and it'll have all these songs, so 16 streams, 17 streams. And this is like 2,800 streams. Yep. You know, and so that equates to about a dollar, <laughs> maybe, maybe a dollar, maybe not even a dollar. You know. Oh, Vixen. You know, I never did ask this one question. You know, I know you got a very busy, busy day. Uh, have you ever told us how you got your nickname? Your name is John, and yet yeah. we all call you Fee. Yeah. Or Fee Man, as uh, yeah, Richard calls you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, somebody asked me that the other day. When we first moved to San Francisco, so when we moved, you probably heard this story, but I was the roadie for Rogers Trio, the Red, White, and Blues Band, when we moved 
from Phoenix to San Francisco. And it was the September of 1969. Okay, that's a long time ago. And but Prairie got a scholarship to the San Francisco Art Institute. So he said, well, I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta do this. And so, okay, well, so the, the band said, and I was just a friend. I wasn't the roadie then. I wasn't, I was just a friend who would go to see them. And I became friends with the band because I love to go to this little club in Phoenix called the VIP. And mm -hmm. so Roger and Prairie and this guy named David was the bass player. It was a trio, bass, drums, guitar. And he was the lead singer. We moved to San Francisco and we got, we, we rented this little condemned house on 46th and Noriega in the Sunset District. And it was built on sand and it like, it was just falling apart. We got it cheap. It was a two-story house with a garage on the bottom floor and the bedrooms and living room and stuff on the second floor. And so they would rehearse in the basement, I mean, in the garage. And all the gear would set up in the garage, and they would rehearse. But the and, and and the walls were so paper thin that you could hear it for blocks when they rehearsed, for blocks and blocks and blocks. And people would come by, and they kind of hang around outside and listen because you know, and, and their neighbors. And we got to be friendly with the neighbors. And so this one guy, his name was Spike, and Spike was a pot dealer. Okay, and Spike used to come over and listen all the time, and then he would hang out and go, "Hey, you want some pot?" And he would give us pot. We were living. This is a good story too. We were living. The there was five of us: Roger Prairie, David, myself, and the manager guy. His name was John Spear, and we had all moved to San Francisco from Arizona, and. We had no work whatsoever, no gigs. We were brand new. We had no gig. But Prairie got a stipend from Uncle Marshall of $150 a month. <laughs> Uncle Marshall would send $150 a month every month. And the five of us lived on that. I was the chief cook and bottle washer. I was the cook. I was Dr. Fee. I, I had this... this book of medicine called the herbalist and i would cure them with herbs i would go to the farmer's market and and buy you know i'd have like 20 bucks to spend and i'd buy like a 25 pound bag of rice brown rice a bag of beans and a can of government cheese <laughs> and i swear to god this is true and i would make, i would make cheese lake cheese lake was like a big plate full of brown rice pinto beans and all covered in melted government cheese and so so david got a little too carried away with pot smoking and he just smoked pot all the time constantly and there was only a two-bedroom house and so the two bedrooms were roger and prairie and the back porch is where john the manager lived and i lived in the attic and it had like a, an attic space and I would I put wood down on the floor of the beams in the attic over the insulation it wasn't much insulation yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, and that was my room but David lived in the garage he built this little corner of the garage with a bunch of doors we found a bunch of old doors wooden doors and he made wall a wall out of it and he had his room down there 
so when we were, it got to the point, he smoked so much pot that he couldn't make it from his room in the corner of the garage to the middle of the garage where the band was rehearsing. <laughs> and it got to be, they, and, but, but I was, I mean, leading up to, to him saying there was a National Geographic, he had a National Geographic magazine. And on the cover of the National Geographic was a picture of the king of Fiji, the king of Fiji. So the king of Fiji is like a black man with a big afro who right. was gigantic. And he said, oh, you look just like this guy. And I just went, what? Are you kidding me? He goes, oh yeah, no, I'm gonna, and he started calling me Fiji. Oh my God. He started calling me Fiji. And then it kind of got shortened to Fiji. Rick, the bass player, still calls me Feed. So for a while, I was, for a while, I was Feed Cranston. I don't know where I got Cranston. At the time, there was a senator from California was Alan Cranston. And I don't know. I still don't know why. I'd... So for a long time, I was Feed Cranston. Uh, and then we finally got a deal. You know, so the, it, what happened was they kicked David out of the band because he couldn't make it to rehearsal. They mm. couldn't find a bass player that was good, good enough for them. And they didn't mm. play cover songs. It was all original mm. material. And so they ended up merging with Bill Spooner's band, who also moved from Arizona. And the two managers, Lauren and John Spear, were really close friends. And they said, well, let's, you guys can't find a bass player and you have gigs. We don't have gigs but you could join our band and we could do your gigs and we'll have two guitar players and two drummers and they went oh, okay so we joined with bill's band and i you know bill already had three roadies and so i well what am i and so when when with, during the time they were trying to find a bass player they would they still wanted to rehearse and since and i was there and i knew all of david was gone but i knew he was the lead vocalist and i but i knew all the songs mm. i knew all his vocals so i would go down and sing his parts i couldn't play bass but i could sing his parts so when the band merged together with bill's band roger said you know this guy's a, he's a pretty good singer he could mm. be like the background singer and so I went, yeah, I'll be the background singer. And I got promoted from roadie to background singer. And eventually I became the lead singer because I sang too loud. Mm -hmm. I kept saying, you sing too loud. Okay, you're background singer. You're supposed to blend in with the... And then finally I went, okay, go, you sing then, go ahead. And so when we got a deal in, we got a deal with a and Records in 1974, and by then we had changed the name to the tubes. We, we were, Bill's band was called the Beans. So when we merged with Bill's band, we were the Beans. And then the, some other band from New Jersey or something came out with an album called Beans. That was the name of their band. And so we said, okay, well, we got to change the name. So we changed the name to the tubes, but we got a deal. We had to put your name on the album. Everybody's name it had to be on the album and i'm going i don't really want to you know i i think my dad would be really upset if i didn't <laughs> use my family name right you know? i can't be cranston <laughs> the family name is waybill yeah. and a waybill yeah. is it, you know a waybill is a thing a waybill is like an invoice mm -hmm. that's 
the waybill's the list of stuff that's in the back of your truck, right? And so I thought, okay, well, I, I decided I would shorten, it was F-E-E-J, Feej. Mm. And I figured, okay, well, it's the fee for the waybill. It's, so I took the J off. <laughs> and that's when it became fee when, it, when we put it on the first album. And that's funny. Fee for the waybill. It's kind of like Terry Cloth. <laughs> one of those rock names that, you know, like pig pen or something. I don't know. So that's how I got it. Oh my God. Just your story about the government cheese is hilarious. That is just, that is <laughs> and hilarious. It's true. It's, I'm not embellishing. It's really true. And thank God for Uncle Marshall. You know, thank God for Uncle Marshall. Oh boy. Oh my God. I could probably talk to you for hours. That's pretty funny. You yeah. got some pretty funny stories. I'm going to see you in, in Chicago when oh, you yeah. hit the road. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. can't wait to do that. Uh, we'll talk again. And uh, hey. as you guys, with January coming up, if you're going to do any of that solo stuff, I want to know. Okay. And uh, okay. when I reach We're, out to uh, Richard Marks, I'm going to say uh, Little Ricky or something that sort. And Ricky see if boy. Ricky, Ricky boy. Let me write Ricky down. Boy. Ricky boy. I'll make sure I put that he out and see and if he replies. Ricky boy. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was, I, I just saw him the other day. His his birthday was the 16th and we had a little, and mine's the 17th of September. And so we are all, we're, you know, kind of Virgo buddies. And we had a little party out at his house and uh, and his sons were there, Brandon and Lucas and Jess. Well, Lucas was in Italy on vacation and Brandon and Jesse were there and they're my godsons. And uh, they're incredibly talented. I mean, yeah. And wouldn't you think that the sons of Richard Marsh sure. are incredibly talented? Yeah, they are. Uh, so I just saw him the other day and he's good. And uh, he was, he's, he's got a bunch of dates coming up in mm -hmm. next year, just a ton of dates. And, and we do too. And uh, so hopefully this is all, we're all moving back to normal, some kind of a normalcy here, I hope. Hey, I'd like to see a Richard Marks and, and Tubes tour. I would enjoy that. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, we've we've opened for him a couple of times uh, in the past. Lately, he's been doing, uh, he does solo shows mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. his band. Some and there, He does both. He does band shows and solo shows. Hey, he could play, he could sing some rock songs with you instead of. He uh, has, he's, he has sat in with us. Like when we play a local club down the street from where he lives, the the uh, the Canyon Club in Agora Hills, mm -hmm. he'll come down and sing "Talk to You Later" with me. Yeah, he's done that a number of times. He's it's fun. Uh, he's a great guy. I'm friends with uh, his buddy Matt Scannell from uh, Vertical Horizon. Oh, so, really? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When they're all together, yeah. uh, I tend to meet up and stuff. So great, funny guy. Uh, Richard's yeah. very, very funny. You're very, very funny. Your stories are hilarious. Okay. I could listen for hours. Oh, thank you. Uh, Thank so, you very much. Sophia, Thank I won't you, keep Steve. you anymore. Guys, go okay. check out the tubes. They are already on tour through the end of October. And Fee, we will yes. see you in October. All right, Steve. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. All right. You take care now. Thanks, Fee. Bye-bye. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.